Where Ideas Launch, the podcast for the sustainable innovator. We won't save the planet by recycling 50% of our waste. We save it by not creating waste. Season two goes heavily into circular business models and innovation while creating a space to discuss issues important to our society, like education. Join me and my guest as we explore and create pathways toward a future for the planet. Today's session is about sustainable supply and sourcing. And before I get into what we could be doing to solve this problem of sustainable supply and sourcing, I need to tell you why this matters. Now we are using resources at 1.7 times their rate of natural regeneration. We have become less efficient at converting those resources that we extract from the ground than we were, let's say, in the 1980s compared to today. And part of this is because we have changed the source of supply. Most of the world aspires to be at the level of wealth of, let's say, for example, the US. Now, as people aspire to to have more and to grow more in terms of wealth on an average scale, we're going to demand more of those resources than we have in the past. Climate change will also render many places uninhabitable, starting, let's say, in the 2040s to 50s. And this will invoke mass migrations and a number of other economic and social challenges that we expect will emerge. Technology can give us solutions if we use it in the right way. And there are also projects on the way all around the world to rewild nature in some form or fashion in order to get us to a point where we could move the needle on what we've been putting into the atmosphere in terms of carbon. With a very, very urgent timescale for change that we need to commit to, a lot of customers are becoming more savvy. So as we get into the marketplace, we're starting to see a greater demand for and a greater need for knowledge around things that are sustainable. I think customers since the global pandemic have really started to reflect on what it means to them to live on this planet. The recognition that there's only one blue planet that we have that we can currently inhabit makes this need to do something that much more urgent. We have also seen things like vaccine capitalism come under real attack because still we are developing the world and we're developing this planet on the notion of nation states where the situation that we're in today, it's so globally interconnected that some of these decisions can no longer be taken on a national level realistically. Yes, we can still take it on a national level, but will we have the impact? Will we have the same efficacy if we take decisions on a nationalist level? So these are questions that consumers are starting to ask. Now, in some countries, there are no furlough protections like we have in some of the Western countries. So there's no social protection around the issues that have emerged out of the pandemic, including the loss of jobs, the loss of tourism, etc. Now, wealth inequality is rampant and growing. There are something like 2,700 billionaires who own enough to be the eighth biggest country by GDP, and it's only getting worse. The number of people that that represents, 2,700 billionaires, is less than 0.00005% of the planet. Netflix has been doing a great job of educating people around the topics of sustainability with independent films such as Seaspiracy and Cowspiracy. And there've also been a number of interesting films on Amazon, for example, Living the Change. 
And what these are doing are creating a movement in people's minds that they need to do something different, that they need to be more responsible and that they need to make different choices about their food and about their their repurchase of things and how many things they want to accumulate, how they dispose of their things. But we're going to talk a little bit about how we can make our supply chains more sustainable for this for this purpose so that we can address the needs of our customers. Another anecdote that I'd like to share with you. I was talking to a friend of mine who runs a group on Facebook and he told me that he started his group. It's called Sustainable Living in 2014 and by 2020 March, he had 3,000 people in his group. By September 2020, he had 65,000 people in his group. Today, he has 75,000 people in his group. And this shows that there's been a huge shift of people looking for sustainable solutions. Groups that have sustainability in their name on Facebook have been growing exponentially. My own group of women who are running sustainable businesses has grown by 100 a week for the last month, and it's starting to accelerate. So this is really becoming a thing. There are ways for us to go about checking our carbon footprints, etc., as, as people, as individuals, freeways, which is also helping to expand the knowledge and make people more aware. So now I want to get into exactly what we can start doing in our supply chains to, to think through this sustainability equation. I think about it as tech. And I will explain what tech means. It is four elements to the sustainability puzzle. It is transparency, energy, circularity, and knowledge. And I'm going to go into each of these topics so that you understand what you could be doing differently in your supply chains to make a difference. The first point you need to know about transparency, it's about making a statement. Making a statement to see what you definitively stand by when it comes to elements of the whole sustainability puzzle. Sustainability, as you know it, has many different angles. We can start with the human side of the thing. Are we against modern slavery in all of its forms? Are we paying our workers a living wage? Are people able to survive based on the contracts that we're giving them? Is our contracting fair? That's a key part of this transparency debate, and we should be having that publicly available on our websites. How is the ratio of CEO pay to the lowest paid worker in our organization. What's that ratio like? And how we preserve a certain reasonableness with that ratio also dictates how transparent and how respectful we are of the human side of the story. Then we have revealing things about our suppliers themselves. So as we supply, we also have suppliers and our suppliers should also be following some of the rules that we have determined are necessary to be an ethical company. So we need to think also about our suppliers. We also need to think about the way our products are disposed of. Transparency is about communicating what solutions are there to recycle the products that we sell. Getting into this further, you can go the certification route and the certification route gives other people, your customers and suppliers, etc., an idea of who you are. If you have a certification that states basically the rules that you have agreed to comply to, this already goes part of the distance. I say part of the distance because certifications have been challenged for their ability to truly verify what's happening. There are two certifications that are very popular at the moment in this space, which is the Fair Trade Certification and the B Corp Certification. Both of these are useful in, in terms of progress because they do assess quite a wide variety of topics. You can 
become certified without having all of the boxes ticked, then this is where these certifications can come under challenge at times. But the idea is that you set a roadmap for yourself as to the things that you want to accomplish. And as you accomplish them, your ranking will increase. So it's a good idea to get involved with finding good ways to be transparent about the good things that you're doing and also to be transparent about the things that you're still progressing. Both sides are important. It's not just a topic of greenwashing. Now we get to energy. Energy is the second in the tech framework. And energy for us, it's really about where you're sourcing the energy to convert your products how aware you are about the usage of energy in your organization and how efficient you are on the usage of energy and things like your website. So it's not just about the physical product itself, but it is about what's happening in your offices and your website. How heavy is it to load for customers? All of these things need to be validated and checked before we can say that we are truly energy efficient. So it's not just about the choice of our energy provider. It is also about how we're returning energy to the system. It's also about it's about how efficient our entire systems are to carry out the work that we ask of it. The C in tech is about circularity. And the key question here is how are you sourcing your materials and can your sources be recycled? And this is essential because we need to be able to communicate to our customers what they need to do to dispose of that product. We also need to think about how can we create a secondhand market for that product? And a number of companies have done this. So they, they do buybacks, they do, they do sell secondhand versions of their products. And this needs to be something that we, we go deeper and deeper and further into, especially if we can make that product more efficient to use in terms of energy. So as much as we can recycle and reuse and, and change and shift, even if it is, you know, scrapping the thing for parts and reusing that into the process. But minimizing waste is a key part of what we need to do. Also using different types of plastics will allow the things to be able to return to the earth, for example, and break down more efficiently, as well as being able to reuse them in other products. The other bit of circularity is about your supply chain responsiveness to being able to collect things. So I have a great business model, someone I've interviewed on this podcast. The model that she uses is that she gives her product in bottles and then she's able to collect the used bottles when you make a reorder. All of this is important to your customer. They need to know how to end the life of that product that they've purchased. If you have a circular model designed or some links to other companies who will provide that recycling for you, you need to communicate that. The last letter in the tech framework for supply chain resiliency is knowledge. And knowledge is about how you're communicating with your employees, your customers, and all your stakeholders about what's key to be measured in your space around the sustainability and its goals. So if we think about the UN Sustainable Development Goals and that framework of 17 goals, there's lots there that we could be sharing and tailoring to our organization. And this is about real education and real change as opposed to greenwashing. So it's not about CSR and PR featuring what you're doing because that comes under real attack. It's about making real changes, communicating, but making real changes and also communicating where you have not yet made changes and what you're planning to do. This is where we start winning the respect 
of people who are interested in purchasing our products. So this brings us to the end of the tech framework. I hope that was useful in setting up how you can think about your supply chain for the future. Please follow my future episodes where I will be talking about supply chain in more detail. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you today by Career Sketching with Catherine Ann Byam and the space where ideas launch. Career Sketching is a leadership development and coaching brand offering personalized career transition and transformation services. The Space Where Ideas Launch offers high-performance group leadership coaching and strategy facilitation to businesses in the food and health sectors. To find out more, contact Catherine Ann Byam on LinkedIn.